You can now hear Movie Heaven Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favourite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad and in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favourite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell, with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers that enjoy discussing movies and related topics, and uh, we are back to our regular shows looking at the A to Z of film directors, and as we've promised with this particular season, um, we are going to try and move away from, from the sort of typical films that we grew up on and directors that we, you know, liked growing up and try and be a bit more broad um, with some of our selections. <laughs> more diverse, one could say. Um, well, definitely. I mean, and uh, part of that promise. <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, we've we picked a, a director that I... I I think we both can cut hands on our hearts say we didn't really know that much about. I mean, we had seen her work before, but uh, we hadn't kind of like um, sort of followed it or, uh, you know, or, you know, seeked out this uh, director's work. But uh, we decided to uh, talk about Nora Ephron. Absolutely. Nora Ephron. I, I did an Ephronathon. As I put it, <laughs> to, to I mean, I mean, actually, to be fair, I know quite a lot of Nora Ephron's work, but yeah. it's never been, um, you, you, you know, you know, uh, it's not an obvious choice when you look at the films and, and the genres that we normally talk about on this. So it was, uh, it was good to good to look at something different. Um, very sadly, though, uh, Nora is actually no longer with us because she died a couple of years back, age seventy one. Um, from leukemia, sadly. So um, we're, we're, we're talking about a, a director from the past now, sadly, who hopefully is still making uh, movies up in the big studio in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was hoping the big studio in the sky would be a, just a nice place to retire. Well, maybe. Maybe, maybe she's just enjoying that. But, but, uh, but you, you know, bless her. Um, yeah. She she did indeed come from a uh, a, a writing family. Uh, her her parents were screenwriters. Um, she started as a screenwriter uh, before actually directing. Um, and of course, her sister uh, is also um, you know a screenplay writer. So you, you know very much she she'd been a journalist. Um, she'd always her whole life been sort of 
surrounded and involved in in the writing process i think it's fair to say yes and also the fact that um she was married well at the time of her death she was married to uh nicholas oh god i'm gonna mangle his name pileggi that's it pileggi the screenwriter of goodfellas indeed so it was all in the family as these things usually are and i believe delia her sister is she is still with us um and still writing screenplays um and of course uh you know long before she directed anything um she was actually uh an award-winning screenplay writer because she did actually meet when harry met sally uh which we've we've touched on briefly in some of our previous podcasts yes we have and um also she wrote my blue heaven which uh i have to say was an enjoyable steve martin film yes yeah absolutely which actually actually it was kind of like the same plot as well no it's not the same plot as goodfellas but it's like you took the end of goodfellas and made a film about it and then you cast a comedian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like nothing like Goodfellas. Yeah, there you go. There's a, there's, there's a mind bender. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a, a, a good body of work, I would say. Mm. Um, you, you know, her credits go back as sort of as far as 1983. And uh, the last thing she actually directed was in 2009. So, um, uh, you, you know, she, she had a fairly fairly healthy career. Um, you know, very much dealt in the sort of delves of romantic comedy, um, but was actually a very good, you know, a very strong writer for sure. Um, her, uh, her, her screenplays, um, you know, I always thought that the comedy in them worked really well, even if in some cases the overall film didn't work. Um, usually they were, they were well written and i think in most cases she actually did do the screenplays to the films she directed although some of them were were co-written with her sister yeah i have to say i don't know if you noticed um but the the four films we picked have um have a, a very similar story yeah i guess they do <laughs> they always sort of have a similar the similar outcome as well and it, it, it's it's all about how a uh, boy gets with girl, but the, the route to that is never that easy. Yes. And usually the way the film starts, it, it doesn't start off that way, but it usually leads to that conclusion. Yeah. So it's usually um, two people who seem to be at odds at each, with each other. And then through either somebody or some story plot or get together at the end. And um, it's kind of interesting that um, because most directors like to do things different. They like to tell different stories. But from the four films we've seen, and uh, I I don't want to make this like a generalization because I haven't really seen uh, the rest of the film she's directed but she seems to make the same story, but variations on the same story. Yeah, um, I, I, th- I think certainly with our picks, there's there's definitely some uh, some running themes. Um, mm. and, uh, although, and you know, they always that some some of them deal with a little bit of fantasy. Um, yes, as well. Oh, th- I mean, it's, that's what I mean. I mean, each story she, she tells, it, it, it may have like similar um, plot threads to them, but how she tells them is quite different 
I, I think it's fair to say she's, uh, or she was a, uh, you know, a very good writer, but uh, certainly not a bad director either. Mm. Well, um, why don't we uh, kick off and uh, Keith, let, uh, what was your pick for Movie Heaven? Okay, well, my pick for Movie Heaven is a film of hers that most people are probably well aware of and is, uh, have surely seen at some point. Um, it's from 1993 and it's her film Sleepless in Seattle. Um, I remember seeing this at the cinema. Uh, I, I went to see it, obviously, you know, with, with my girlfriend at the time, because uh, it was, I, I think, very much a sort of dating couples type movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, an enjoyable film, and it was really interesting to sort of go back and, and revisit it uh, after many years. Um, you, you know, without going sort of too plot heavy on it. Uh, you know, the, the, the film stars uh, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, and um, it involves uh, Tom Hanks is, is, is widowed uh, from his wife and left with an eight-year-old son and, um, you know, moves with his work to Seattle. Uh, he's a, um, an architect, and uh, he, his son one day rings up uh, one of these uh, chat line-type shows to say um, that for Christmas he wants, you, you know, uh, his dad, uh, you, you know, to be happy again because he's been, you know, heartbroken since the loss of his wife. And, uh, you, you know, Tom Hanks comes on the call and, uh, you know, although is kind of annoyed with his son for doing this, is, is kind of a good sport and a nice guy. I mean, pretty much Tom Hanks as Tom Hanks at this point. And, mm. uh you, you, you know, goes along with it. And whilst this is happening, uh, Meg Ryan's character is is driving and listening to the radio. Um, she has just got engaged to uh, to Bill Pullman, who at this point in his career, I used to feel sorry for Bill Pullman because he always seemed to play the guy who got dumped. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it was this or while you were sleeping or, you know, all these romantic comedies. And Bill Pullman, who, let's face it, is not a bad-looking chap and all that. He always sort of played the guy who got dumped. But then, but then, hey, he became the president of the United States and had a kick-ass speech. So I suppose <laughs> yeah. he, he, he made up for it. But, um, Come on, but yeah. I, I was also, you know, <laughs> he was in Spaceballs. He got the go in that. That's true. He was the Han Solo in Spaceballs. <laughs> yeah, he <wasn't> yeah. <laughs> was the Han Solo and Luke Skywalker all rolled into one. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, um, oh, but, but yeah, do you do you remember him in? Uh, sorry, just to, to go off a little bit, but do you remember him in Ruthless People, where he played a moron? Oh God, thinking now. Or yeah, or or, or um, the, the the director we were going to do for Halloween, uh, Wes Craven. Uh, he was the he was the main guy in uh, the Serpent and the Rainbow. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yeah. Oh no, he's he's definitely got a range on. Oh yeah, yeah. We're talking about. Yeah, I just thought it was funny that around this time he he kept playing the sort of the the the, the boyfriend that gets dumped for somebody else. <laughs> Well, I mean, well, it was also in um, The Last Seduction as well. Where he was playing the, the nasty in that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, he's yeah. good. Now, this, yeah. is, this is nothing against Bill Pullman, I want to point out. <laughs> it just, no, no, it kind of yeah. made, me, made me chuckle that, that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that it was around this time. But, um, 
But no, I mean, obviously mm. Meg Ryan's character and he had got engaged in, at the beginning of the film. One of the things I think Nora Ephron is really strong at, as, as both a writer, but also in, in her direction is, um, you know, before before Meg Ryan's character goes on this this drive and hears this radio uh, interview, um, she, there's there's a rather sort of awkward dinner scene <laughs> between the two families. His, you, you know, her family and and uh, where where he announces that you know they've got engaged and, and all of this sort of thing, and and it's just all those little sort of character banter things. Um, she's really quite good at. I think she sort of sets up that that comedy in a sort of um, almost like a sort of Woody Allen-esque feel to it in, in places. And I've noticed that's another thing she's, she's quite good at in all of her, her movies are those character moments. Very much so. But um, I believe it was her family that she was introducing Bill Pullman. That's to. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, you, you know, in, in this stage, uh, you know, Tom Hanks, this was, I believe it was either the same year or the year before he got real recognition with Phila- winning the, um, the, the, the Oscar for Philadelphia. Um, is this the year before or the same year? I'm not too sure. 93. Uh, let me check. Um, yes, it was. It was the same year. I was going to say, at this, at this point, you know, Tom Hanks, who you know, has gone on to be an incredibly versatile and an important actor and um you, you know person in hollywood but at this time this was a point in his career where he was still very very popular but he was still very much known as is you know a comedy actor yeah uh, i mean very much sort of playing tom hanks mm. this, this is this is the the tom hanks that you know we knew from the burbs and big and dragnet and joe versus the volcano so it's always kind of like that he always like overreact to things, and he always had the like the the the, the goofy moves and the, the the goofy looks on his face and stuff. It was always larger than life. And then, as you say, Philadelphia seemed to be a turning point where suddenly he was like actually playing a role. Yeah, yeah. Not that it's not saying that he wasn't playing roles before, but he was playing a role and surrendering to it, and he wasn't bringing any of his stick with him. Yeah. No, no, absolutely, and um, uh, you know, interestingly as well, in jo- Joe versus the volcano, he was uh, he was indeed with Meg Ryan in that as well. So, um, uh, but but yeah, I mean, this 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 film, you know, this this boy meets girl, um, you, you know, the way it unfolds, it, it is very well done. Mm. Um, one of the things that's, that's that's quite strong about it as well um, is. You know the, the 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 child actor, as he was then, who plays his son. You know, whereas sometimes these characters can be slightly annoying and whatever, is actually quite sort of endearing and works quite well. And it's interesting uh, looking looking up his career. Um, he didn't do a great deal since this, and and in his adult life, uh, he sort of moved into selling real estate. So uh, didn't really sort of carry on following the whole actory thing uh that much but but he's but he's very good in this film I, I have to say but saying that he he was in uh an arnie film he was in kindergarten cop oh was he okay well there you go <laughs> he got to be with the arnie but, uh... <laughs> i can't remember i i've 
not sure, but he might have been the kid that goes, um, you know, um, are you unwell? Is it a tumor? <laughs> no, it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> yes, uh, but um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you know, good, uh, good supporting sort of uh, ensemble cast as well on this one. Um, I mean, the, 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 one of the scenes I've always thought was great in Sleepless in Seattle was uh, the fact that you've got you know director Rob Reiner in mm. this as one of his work colleagues and friends and uh i just love the scene where um you know that they're out having lunch uh you know talking about you know how does he get back out there because you know he hasn't dated for years and what are, what do women do nowadays and, and all of this sort of thing and he asks about the tiramisu and they're not sure i'm gonna know what 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 to do and rob brider says you know you you've got to try it it's great <laughs> <laughs> and all that sort of thing so I, I you know i always thought that was that was really well done and um you, you know the uh the the, the characters were, were quite fun it also had um as 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 one of uh, uh, Meg Ryan's characters' friends in it, Rosie O'Donnell, yeah. um, back in a sort of again when she was sort of at a peak of of popularity uh, at the time. Uh, but yeah, and, and the other thing I do like about a lot of Nora Ephron's films is she is big into sort of her own movie ref or movie references within her films. Yes, oh gotcha. You, you know, this one being a you know an affair to remember being the, the, you know, the film where, uh, they meet, they meet on the empire state building and therefore the, kind of the setup for this, this whole romance, um, in this, you know, and, 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 and you see scenes of them watching the film and talking about the film. And then of course you've got the, the guy's point of view as well. And they talk about, um, uh, I want to say the dirty dozen. Is it the dirty dozen? It is the dirty it's, dozen. It's the dirty, yes, dirty but that, dozen. but yeah. that was that was them taking the piss. Mm. That was them taking because it totally. was it was um, because <laughs> Mrs. Tom Hanks stars in it. Rita Wilson. Yeah, Rita Wilson. Absolutely. And um, I think she's playing like a relative of Tom Hanks. Funnily enough, and uh, she's talking <laughs> about that film, and she's like saying how men don't get it, and. Uh, <laughs> and then Tom Hanks starts going in about, oh, well, the Dirty Dozen, you know. We're, we're <laughs> with Victor Garber. Yeah. Garber's in that scene with him, yeah. <laughs> I, I, just had, I just had a tear. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I was just, the thing was, um, I remember this uh, film being advertised a lot on VHS. I, I, mm -hmm. It seemed to be a case of every VHS, VHS I rented around that time would have a trailer for this film and it always ends with Rob Reiner going on about um, you know women always talking about guys with nice butts you know oh, I saw this guy on the news he had a great butt all this, you know all this stuff and it's the bit where Tom Hanks stops and you know pulls up his jacket and he goes well how's mine and he's like yeah it's not bad <laughs> yeah. I just remember seeing that bit all the time I'm thinking yeah. and at the time it was like it was a film I had no interest in it at all. Really no interest. But um and I have watched it before this, but it was like I couldn't I I don't know if I had sat down and watched all of it or I just watched bits of it or um I just you know when you watch a film and then you come back to it years later and you, you don't remember watching it. <laughs> Very strange. But 
saying that, I, I thought this film was um, a classic, to tell the truth. I thought it was really well done. I thought, you know, it was a... a you know, it, it was a... It was a sort of this really high point in her career. It's such a, a great film. It's just a... It's like a little gem. Yeah. Just the way it's... It just... You know, it, everything works. And everybody seems to be, you know, firing on all cylinders and stuff. And there's nothing in it that seemed to be a bit crap or forced or anything. And so it was It was really enjoyable. And, um, you know, and it was just... It was nice. And, and the fact that, you know, spoilers if you have not seen this film. But, uh, <laughs> you know... Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan's characters, you know, meet. But not to the very end. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, that's that was, I think, what made this film a classic because if they had met earlier or anything, it would just, I don't think it would have had the same impact. And the nice thing it does as well is that you, do, it, you see the meeting and them sort of walking off together, but that's it. You don't see anything else. And the rest is just left up to your imagination. Yeah. Which yeah. is sometimes I wish some directors would know how to end a film. I've <laughs> seen, seen too many films lately where yeah. you think, oh, this is the end, and it just keeps on going. Yes. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean, uh, you, you, the, the, the pacing and the structure and everything about this film is, is, is very, very well mm. measured, uh, works really well. And like you said, you know, the, those lift doors close on the Empire State Building and, um, uh, you know, you're, you know that they're going to be happily ever after and, and you, you know, that's it. You're able to sort of um, leave leave the cinema feeling good and, you know, having gone on this journey. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was an easy one for me to pick as, mm. as movie heaven just because I do think you're absolutely right when you say that all the combination, ev everyone in this film... Is, is sort of at the top of their game and it all just sort of works um, so well. Um, it's obviously one of those, one of those movies as well that was very popular at the time in terms of having a, um, a, a soundtrack with a lot of, a lot of hit, re hit songs, love songs. Um, I know, I don't know whether this is true, but I read somewhere that originally uh, John Barry was going to score the film. Obviously, I'm a massive John Barry fan uh, from all the Bond stuff, etc. But uh, he, when when he realised there was going to be so many songs involved in the film, he actually uh, quit. And it is, I mean, it's less of a scorey film and much more of a, a soundtrack um, film, uh, a, 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 yeah. a soundtrack yeah. movie. Yeah, which ends with um, you know a version of uh, Nat King Cole's "When I Fall in Love," but this time performed by Celine Dion and, and Clive Griffith. <laughs> and obviously, this was. Just before Celine Dion went on, you know, a few years later to do the massive, you know, hit for, for Cameron on Titanic. Yeah, the song that keeps going on and on and on. And it, exactly. Like the love. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, it, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Um, it, it's 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 nicely paced. It's it's got some good good performances in there from everyone. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks and, and, and Meg Ryan make an incredibly likable couple. As I said, even though we don't really see them as a couple, um, you know, you could you could sort of imagine that mm. working. I, I also like the uh, use of um, how they depicted the flights from across America. With the map. Yeah, the map of the U.S. 
<laughs> but it's it's three D, so it's it's actually globe like, yes. and you see the the sort of the line, you know, flying over it in a in like a, a rainbow pack in, a, in an arch, and uh, I thought that was that was a nice touch. Yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. I mean, there there, there are those who could say that it's you know her films that they're, they're they're all a bit sentimental, etc. But um. But, but, you know, it's, it, it does what it says on the tin. It's, it's supposed to be a, a romantic comedy. It's a very good film to see, you know, for couples to go see. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, you know, as I said, I remember at the time I, I saw it with my girlfriend back in the day. And, uh, you, you know, it was one of those films that you could enjoy and then talk about afterwards. And, and it really works. So... Yeah, you know, uh, a really, really good piece of a legacy. <laughs> I was wondering uh, how how the rest of the date went. <laughs> well, I think uh, we were together for like four years, so uh, so yeah. It, it, before before I then you know decided to bugger off and <laughs> go to film school in the states, but uh, that 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 that's a whole other story, and it's not what <laughs> I want to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. uh, yeah you, you know it, it was a bit further than, than than seattle and new york so to speak <laughs> but um yeah so uh but oh, okay. yeah it was it was it was a it was a um an enjoyable film and, and i hadn't actually i'd maybe seen it once since since that original time at the cinema but um i obviously re-watched it for this and uh yeah was not was totally engaged and not bored at all uh, the only thing the only thing about it that made it um feel slightly dated and this is nothing to do with you, you know the um the technology or the hairstyles or the clothes or anything like that but just just in terms of attitudes was there's a scene where they're talking about um uh I think it's Rosie O'Donnell and one of the other uh, and, and another friend is talking to uh, Meg Ryan's character about this this mystery man on the radio that she's sort of fallen in love with and you know and all this and and they sort of say oh you don't know what kind of guy this might be and they actually have a list of things and they put him being a transvestite up there along with him being a chainsaw wielding uh, serial killer and I sort of thought oh that made me cringe slightly because uh, obviously in today's world that wouldn't be uh, mm. quite quite as a, an acceptable no. uh, comment no. as it was no. 23 years ago or whatever <laughs> but that's how we move on <laughs> yeah i mean there, there is far worse examples of that i mean it's the, the use of the word fag <laughs> now that is always a bad one um it used to be quite you know especially with kids and stuff they used to say you know they used to s- you know refer to other people's fags all the time and now it's like uh it's like a no-no it's, it's sort of really cringeworthy when you when you hear it comes out the uh the mouths of babes yeah no absolutely absolutely but um but no you, you know th- th- this works um and it's really enjoyable and as i said i'm sure most of our listeners have probably seen this yeah um yeah it's it's it's, it's a it's a classic film yeah, it is. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So I, I don't really have much to add, uh, other than you know saying that it that it works and it's really good. And uh, you know, I think I think out of Nora Ephron's body of work, um, this this is the one she'll be remembered for as a director. Yes. I would say. Oh yes. Yeah. But 
It's not the only good film she did, is it, Simon? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yes. Uh, so, uh, my pick for Movie Heaven uh, is the film Michael. Now, I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but uh, it's one of those films that keeps popping up on Channel 5 a lot on a Sunday afternoon. And um, I think that's probably where I saw it originally. I, I think it was on TV I originally saw it. And it was part of, you know, it was that phase where John Travolta was coming off the end of Pulp Fiction. And he was like, you know, he was leading man material again. And he would do these kind of films where he was playing kind of down-to-earth characters. So you remember when he did Phenomenon? Well, actually, when you first um, said this was your pick... Mm -hmm. um, I was actually getting this confused with Phenomenon. Because it came out on the same year, didn't it? And uh, um, he also, he's a character sure. who's got sort of supernatural powers in that as well. And it was like, did she direct that? And then I looked and I was like, oh, no, no, no. I've got the film completely confused with something else. But it, it is fair to say this was when uh, John Travolta was very much... Oh, bloody hell. It is, it is the same year. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, I did not know that. Okay, well... Yeah. yeah, it it kind of it kind of makes sense because they the the two characters are kind of very similar. Um, ish, ish, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this this was a time when it was a phase in John Travolta's career for sure, where he was really enjoying kind of um, playing uh, playing fairly sort of you know big character characterizations. Like, I mean, it was, you know, he did Broken Arrow with, mm. you know, the John Woo film with Christian yeah. Slater. Yeah. And uh, he, he sort of played the, 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 the larger than life sort of bad guy in that as well, didn't he? And uh, well, yeah. And also he played Chili Palmer and Get Shorty the year before. Exactly. So, yeah. so you know, you know he, he, he was he was on a real roll at this point. And, and I, I think he's fantastic in this. Mm. Um, I, I hadn't seen this film. So this is one you've introduced me to. And that's one of the good things about doing this podcast is, yes. um, you, you know, I hadn't seen it. Um, it was quite difficult to get hold of, actually. I know you said it plays on t television a lot, but it wasn't when we were when we were doing the research for this. And um, I ended up having to get a Korean DVD edition of it <laughs> because I couldn't. Yeah, you know, all, yeah. all of the other films I got for like 50p on CEX, but um but but this one was a bit harder to find. But uh, but what a find it was! I, I actually think it's a really fun film. So anyway, carry it on. Is, it is. It is. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. It, it's one of yeah. those films where when it comes on, I you know I tend to watch. Um, but yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, the story is uh, William Hurt uh, works for Bob Hoskins, who runs a. Uh, what would we what would we call it? But, uh, over here it would be a tabloid, but over there it would be, mm. you know, when they make stuff up, it'd be like our version of, um, oh, what was not the Daily Star? What was the other one? You remember the one that it had the famous headline, "Double Decker Found on the Moon." Yeah, 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 like the Daily Sport or whatever. That's it. it. Was. Daily yeah, Sport. Yeah. The, it, yeah. It's the US version of Daily Sport. They go out and find these weird and wonderful stories and they print them up and, you know, they get lots of readers. And the thing is, um, it's Robert Pastoroli. 
Right, yes, Robert Pastoroli. Yes, but let me, uh, we'll come back to him. We'll come to I, him. I'll, I'll come yeah. back to him, but he <laughs> he owns a dog called Sparky, who reminds Bob Hoskins' character of a dog he used to have when he was a kid. And, of course, Sparky is a big draw. And so enter Andy McDowell, who um, who's there for a job. And... Um, and what happens is William Hurt gets a letter from an old lady who says there's an angel um, staying with her. And so William Hurt, Andy McDowell and Robert Pastorelli, they jump in a car and they go and meet this angel. And at first they're a bit sceptical because, <laughs> you know, um, they think, you know, maybe she's seeing things. But then when he comes down, he comes down, he's very, he's not your normal angel. He's a very unconventional angel. He smokes, he drinks, he has lots of sugar in his cereal. <laughs> <laughs> he's got stubble, he's a bit overweight. Uh, he's just an angel that loves life. And um, they, they take, they drive him back to the newspaper and they kind of have adventures along the way. Oh yeah, it's a great road movie. It really is a great road movie. And and the thing is, you can tell that all the actors are enjoying themselves. Yes, it's yes. really good. But uh, yes, what were you going to say about uh, Robert Pastorelli? Well, f first first of all, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, the whole Robert Pastorelli thing. You know, I, I I was like when I was watching it, I was like, this guy. I know this guy. Where do I know this guy from? Where do I know this guy from? And then of course, it it, it dawned on me that yeah. he um. He plays Timmons uh, in one of my favourite films, Dances with Wolves. Yeah, which uh, yeah, y you know, a very very different character in that. But uh, um, wait, wait, but wait, wait, wait for it. Another Arnie connection. He was in Eraser. He's in Eraser as well. Okay, there you go. Yes, there you go. He was he was the guy at the beginning who uh, he helps. Uh, he saves because he broke his cover. And, right, and then later on, he goes back and asks him for his help, and he's working in a gay bar. Yeah, I haven't seen a razor in a long time, but yeah, a razor's a lot of fun. But yes, he's in that. Right, right, but 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 you know, as you did sort of because in this, he's he's very entertaining. He, he kind of is that sort of John Favreau esque, you know, funny sidekick role in yeah. this. And uh, I sort of thought to myself, you know, what 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 happened to this guy? And and it's really tragic. Um, because you you know obviously you did a bit of digging to sort of find out where he was and um he died uh of a drug overdose which followed um he was involved in a situation with 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 a girlfriend where she she got shot by a gun that he owned and uh apparently you know he was cleared of of, of any charge of, of of you know murder or manslaughter or anything like that but Apparently, you know, following that, his career and his life sort of rolled out of control until, um, you, you know, as I said, he was found dead at a fa fairly, I think he was only about in his late 40s or something, um, you know, which was very sad to, to, mm. to, to go and read this. But, yeah. Because uh, yeah. um, it was just one of those things where I thought, oh, that was the guy from, from you know, this and he's very amusing in this and, you know, what had happened to him and... Uh, you know, went 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 away and read that, and was like, "Oh, that's that's very sad." Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was only forty nine uh, when he died in two thousand and four. 
No, that's really sad. So, uh, yeah, very sad because he, he plays a very endearing character in this film mm. and his chemistry with William Hurt. Uh, like you said, William, you can, you can tell they were all having a really good time making this film. It's got that, it's got that feeling within it, hasn't it? That it was a feel-good movie yeah. that everybody at the time, um, you know, you know, was very comfortable with where they were and uh, and and just had had a blast doing this. And um, and definitely the the adventure they go on, the whole sort of road movie adventure is very interesting. Oh, there was one thing I noticed as well that. Um, I, I don't know whether it was kind of an in-joke with, with Sleepless in Seattle or what, but um, I don't know whether you remember, but in Sleepless in Seattle, when uh, uh, Tom Hanks is waiting for, he does, he does before he meets Meg Ryan, he does date another woman for a little while that the, uh, the, 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 the boy really doesn't, doesn't get on with. Yeah. And when he's waiting for her first date in the restaurant, he is making a pyramid out of sugar cubes. And I noticed that John Travolta does the exact same thing in this film, because uh, obviously, as you've already mentioned, he loves sugar. He really en- <laughs> and, and you can never have enough sugar, as he says in the film. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, well, okay. No, I what, didn't notice that. To the truth, I I, I noticed that uh, William Hurt started making ice <laughs> uh, uh, sugar cube uh, pyramids, but. Uh, at near the end, but uh, no, I didn't notice that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. Um, you know, I, I don't know about yourself, or, but I, I've noticed with my work that there's always something that crops up from other films. I mean, yeah. So far, I've had two films where um, the tin bread in it has turned up, and I have to say, the second time. Oh, yeah was an absolute accident. I did not plan it. I don't own a, <laughs> a tin with bread on it, but there it was. You weren't putting it in as that obvious reference. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know if it's that obvious in, in the second film, but it's there. So for the eagle-eyed people in to see this film, when it finally gets finished, do you, you keep an eye out for the uh, the bread bin. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, John John Glenn on his Bond movies, uh, he always had the bit where the uh, the doves would um, spring out and, and surprise Bond in a sea, wouldn't he? He'd always he'd always put that in as, as one of his little in things. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Nora Ephron's was a pyramid of sugar. Who knows? I don't know. But, I, uh, I don't I don't <laughs> think I remember seeing that in any of her other films. But uh, I think if I if I watch them again, I'll I'll keep an eye out. Yeah, yeah. It's just something I noticed. I was like, "Oh, that's nice." It's, it's, again, this is what happens when you watch them back to back, isn't yeah, it? You, yeah. you kind of pick up on these things. It's like, "Oh, fun. but I mean, my my point earlier about her stories having a similar kind of arc. So initially, you think this story is about them bringing the angel back and saving Sparky because. They, uh-huh. they make a bet saying that if they don't bring him back and put him on the cover that, you know, that um, Bob Hoskins can own Sparky and get rid of Robert Pastorelli's character and, you know, have sole ownership of the dog. And um, Andy McDowell's there as a kind of a plant. We're not quite sure, you know, what her job is, but she just happens to be there in the office and... Um, well, actually, it's it's actually it's, it's slightly obvious because there's a scene before it where she's talking to some dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we we get the sense that she is um, possibly a dog trainer there for Sparky. 
but um, but she's brought along as an angel expert. And you just think the story is a you know this like road trip to get John Travolta, Michael back to the um, newspaper office. But no, it turns out that Michael is actually there to bring William Hurt and Annie McDowell's characters together. Mm. And he nearly does it, but unfortunately his time on Earth runs out. This is his last trip to Earth, and uh, he's trying to make the most of it. But um, it's, I think it's every, every time he does a miracle, he loses a feather from his uh, wings. And... Um, because he, he he does one big miracle near the end, and he loses a lot of feathers, and so, but he, I don't know some, it's all about miracles and angels. So of course, um, Andy McDowell and William Hurt are brought back together by magical means, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, finally meet up, and it's quite nice with Andy McDowell because. Um, as well as being uh, an angel expert and a dog trainer. Uh, she's also, uh, her hobby is writing um, uh, country and Western music. And also she has lots of ex-husbands. Because <laughs> <laughs> throughout the story, she's always referring to one of her exes. Yeah, thinking about it, th- this is a real Andy McDowell thing. Because do you remember in Four Weddings and a Funeral, um, She's going through all the list of list of all her exes, and there's like loads. And and Hugh Grant, when she says, "What about you?" and Hugh Grant turns around and goes, "Well, no, actually, I don't know what the fuck I've been doing with my time." <laughs> but uh... tell the truth, I've not never seen four weddings and a funeral. You've never seen four weddings? Oh my god! Okay, well, that's a whole other podcast. I only saw Notting Hill because I was working in a cinema at the time, and somebody went, "Yeah, go in and watch it." Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Well, yeah. she plays a character in that that's had a lot of previous lovers. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, um, it, you know, and she's actually got quite a good singing voice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and also her, her sort of, uh, her, her twang has, uh, it's very much suits country and western. It does. Yeah. It does. But it is a, it is, it is a total feel good movie. I'm sure actually, um, Sir Paul McCartney probably made uh, quite a bit of money out of this as well, because uh, uh, one of the scenes I really like is when they're driving and they, 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 they sing All You Need Is Love. That, that's, that's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, mm, that's a good question, because, you know, it's, but it, it's the characters kind of saying it, though, don't they? Well... You know, it's not really singing it, and it's not being played. So, I, it's one of those interesting things. I, 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 I'm not quite sure about, but I think if you quote lyrics from a song, you don't have to pay for it. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure what the law is on that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you, if it was, it would only be one payment to the, I guess, the writer, because you're not using a published piece of music and you you know and there's no musicians playing on it no so but but you know i i i like that scene mm. when they all joined in and yeah. travolta was doing the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, it's just it was just you know 
it worked nice. And yes, uh, there was some again. John Travolta got to do some of his dance moves. Yes, he did. Yes. <laughs> well, it was um, after doing Pulp Fiction, he had to, you know, I think it was written every contract that he had to do a dance scene. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and also uh, the music. Uh, you know, for a feel-good film. What compose? What's the best composer you can get for this, Randy Newman? Yes, yes, indeed. I believe we do start off with a Randy Newman track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You ever see an episode of um, Family Guy where they took the piss out of him? <laughs> because it's yeah. like uh, it's like imagine Randy Newman at breakfast. I'm sitting here eating breakfast. I oh, know that's not Randy Newman. But, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yes indeed indeed you got breakfast with me you got breakfast with me <laughs> but uh yes if you if you want a soundtrack that's feel good then uh you get randy newman who you know yeah but the thing is he always sounds a little depressed when he sings <laughs> his voice is a little dour it's not chirpy but it's kind of like what he's singing yeah yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. But it, it it was it was this 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 film was another fun ride. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, uh, total, I, I really enjoyed it. It's total fluff. I mean, it's just it's a Sunday Sunday afternoon movie. It's you know a, it was just a lot of fun to watch, and uh, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. And uh, you know when it's on TV, I and I've got nothing else to do. I'll sit down and watch it. Because it's just fun. Yeah. yeah. Now I can see why it is a very guilty pleasure of yours, and it is very different to phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, uh, I remember seeing phenomenon at the cinema, and um, I th- I thought it was good up to the bit where it turns out it was a tumor. <laughs> yeah, that film he yeah. did have a tumor. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, yeah, um, but I mean, as I say, he was the comeback king at the time. You know, coming. You know, because up to that, up before Pulp Fiction, he was just known for doing the Look Who's Talking films. That's right. And yeah, you did. You did wonder who was going to start talking next because. You know, first it was the baby boy, then it was the baby girl, then it was the dogs. You're thinking, God, what's going to start talking next? The furniture? Yes, it was him and Kirsty Alley, wasn't it? That was that was what they were renegated mm. to for a while there. <laughs> I mean, he he's gone on gone on to make some really great films. I mean, I liked um, I liked the General's Daughter. Uh, I liked Basic. You know, where he's playing sort of, you know... It's oh, good old John McTiernan, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the basic, yeah. But, I mean, the, 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 the sort of the more yeah. thriller, you know, military cop ones. Mm. Well, he's just done a Western with uh, Ty West, um, uh, where he co-stars with Ethan Hawke. So yes, that could be quite yes. interesting. Um, I know the one you're talking about, let me think. Uh, In a Valley of Violence... There you go, yes. There you go. A valley of violence. Yeah. Looking forward to that. That'll be good. My dad will <laughs> like that one, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he uh, did, you know, it's, it's, his pick of films were, was a lot better after, you know, doing Pulp Fiction. 
And I was just looking at else what he's did. I have to say though, he he was a. I thought he was a bit naff in the taking of Pelham one two three. Well, yeah, that wasn't uh, that wasn't that wasn't up to the original. Was yeah, it? I will just won't mention Battlefield Earth. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, uh, if you've never seen it, uh, just keep an eye on your TV listings that I'm sure it will turn up on a Sunday afternoon on Channel 5. That's, yeah. That's where she yeah. Or, or, if you, or if you go on Amazon, you can buy a Korean version. <laughs> <laughs> Which is in English, by the way. It's only, it's only the menus uh, yeah. and the writing on the back of the box that's, that's in you know, uh, Korean. Everything else is, is, is English. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but very enjoyable movie very yeah. enjoyable movie and uh, when i see you next simon i will give you the uh the copy of it on on dvd so you've got it in your guilty pleasures collection <laughs> <laughs> my ever-growing guilty pleasure collection oh i'll quite happily take it off you quite happy. there you go cool right well uh join us after the break when we get into our picks for movie hell Kane, the Stone Cold Assassin. Three men, Corbin Taylor, Zeke Jones, and Jesse Williams, were held for questioning by Marshal Gazer. His revenge will be swift. Ain't you the law around here, Sheriff? Nowhere to run. No place to hide. Jesse, you ever meet Kane? The new violent and bloody horror short from director Mike Tack. Red. Wolf Pines. Is that what you told Luke? He died like the dog he was. Starring Keith Hines as Kane. That bastard ain't gonna find us out here. Available on YouTube and official website www.apocalypticconservatory.com. Red Wolf Pines. Rated R for Rowdy. So, you're making a film. Horror film. Meta horror film. A horror film about horror film. Horror film about cinema. And why would you do that? Life is so beautiful. You just have something in your eye. I thought you said you wanted to do something different. Why do the same thing that everyone else is doing? It drive me mad. They all have opinion on everything. Nobody listened to me. Nobody tried to understand anything. Just too much. I found out recently that I had a, a syndrome when I was younger. When I try to go to sleep, the whole world will change. Like everything will go too quick, too slow, or too big, too small. I could control it. Benny Loves Killing. Available now on Vimeo and IndieFlix. And if they don't go for it, you'll kill them all. What's the matter, Jane? It's kind of hard to explain. I can't put my finger on it. But there's definitely something wrong. 
Jane? under constant watch. Well, that much I know, but who done it? You don't even try and stop me. You know I'm going to harm you, yet you do nothing. What about that wonderful husband of yours? Oh, Martin. I love him. Well, someone has to die. Available now on Amazon Prime in the US, UK, Germany, and Japan. Welcome back. So, Keith, what was your pick for Movie Hell? Right, well, again, like I usually do, I went with my sort of first impressions here, and I picked a film which, um, y y you know, I don't think works for various reasons, but having rewatched it, I don't actually think is that bad either. Um, <laughs> and I went for uh, 1998 film, You've Got Mail, which uh, is another romantic comedy drama. It, it, this, this, was, this was kind of, I mean, I think one of the interesting things about this film is it was kind of one of those, the first, not the first, but one of the first, um, films about the internet mm. uh obviously we, we've had loads since of all sorts of genres um you know right the way through you know uh, with the social network by by fincher um etc but uh you know th th this was one of those early i would say um films that dealt with with the technology of the internet and email and communicating that way um the reason I picked it for movie Hell um, is even though it starred Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan and was directed by Nora Ephron, you know, which obviously was this this absolutely sort of magic triangle uh, with Sleepless in Seattle, I don't think You've Got Mel quite captured the magic in the same way. Um, although it wasn't, you know, as I said, it wasn't awful. Um, it is actually based on a Hungarian, 1937 Hungarian play uh, called Parfume, uh, which was actually also made into a uh, film in 1940 uh, starring uh, Jimmy Stewart um, called The Shop Around the Corner, which oh, was uh, an, right. Ernst, an uh, Lubitsch um, film. And uh, which is very hard to get hold of, by the way, because I did want to um, I did want to go back and sort of revisit that because I think that's one of those films that when I was a kid, it was it was sort of on Saturday afternoons. You know, it was one of those sort of, um, uh, you, you know, films they'd have on on a Saturday afternoon and you'd watch. And um, I wanted to rewatch it because, uh, you know, I remember it being being a very good film. Um and uh, wasn't able to, but uh, it had been made before. So this was sort of a, a contemporized remake using, obviously, the device, uh, the, the plot device of email, 
um, rather than letters, mm-hmm. as it was in, in the Hungarian uh, play and, and the film. Um, so it had been updated from that point of view. Also, the other thing that had been changed with it was um, that there is an in-reference, an in-joke. The, the, the shop that Meg Ryan's character works in is actually called the shop around the corner. It is indeed. And um, they changed it again because of Nora Ephron's background and her family, etc. And this was actually co-written with her and, and Delia, her sister. Uh, they changed it into... Um, uh, a bookstore rather than a perfumery. So, um, uh, you, you know, they changed that. The other thing that was interesting with this, and I did, unfortunately, I ran out of time. I listened to Nora Ephron does commentaries, or sorry, did commentaries for most of her um, her back catalogue, not actually on Michael, but pretty much everything else. And on this one, she'd done a commentary with, this was produced by uh, Lauren Shuler Donner, who's Richard Donner's, wife and obviously a, a very prolific uh, producer in hollywood um yeah. uh, obviously very famous for having done the 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 x-men franchise which obviously even even though that's not officially sort of part of the the mcu i do sort of have a hot spot uh, a soft spot sorry for the um for the x-men film series um you know particularly the ones directed by brian singer so uh, well you say that but the last one was terrible well, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other podcast. But well, my point is, they they do a commentary on the on on this film, and I, I only got to listen to half of it. Right. But it was actually quite engaging and quite interesting because they do they do of course reference the um, the uh, original film and the mm-hmm. play, and they reference quite a bit about the way that they changed this, and of course they talk about technology in a way that's that's almost laughable now because um obviously the whole idea of 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 you know social media and social networking and communicating that way was still very new at the time it was you know it was still it wasn't uh, social media as such because it was you go to chat rooms and people wouldn't know who you were i mean no exactly the thing about different. social media is that the fact is everybody knows who you are and what you do and you know, can see everything you're doing if you want, or yeah. nothing at all if you want. So, well, well, well the other the other thing about this is because uh, because you know, as I said, they 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 talk about um, obviously the the commentary was was uh, recorded um, not long after the film was made, but they sort of sort of speculate on where where that whole technology is going, which is quite <laughs> interesting. But the 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 other thing, can I just ask, what did they speculate? Well, they 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 they, um, they, they were just sort of saying about you know how many people were were online and um, uh, you, you know could could communicate with each other via email and how that was going to grow and you, you know how 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 it was going to sort of change the way we do everything, which, you know, you know, it, it's, it's, it's quite interesting how, <laughs> how film does this sometimes and, and you know, sort of uh, predicts. But um, uh, w- one of the things that was also quite interesting about this is um, there is a big thing in this film about uh, consumerism. Mm. And uh, it's, it's quite funny because this film has been quite, criticized about the amount of product placement in it yet at the same time it is one of those films that kind of it's a bit like the sort of dilemma we said about fincher being the guy that 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 came from uh, 
directing you, you know commercials and stuff and then went into being you know um uh doing fight club which was which was so sort of anti that mm. and uh you, you know this this plays big time on that because um you, you know meg Ryan's character in this runs this this small family run bookstore uh which which specializes in children's books and has been you know, it's it's been one of those generational things that her her mother, her character's mother, had owned it before and passed it down, and she was trying to keep that legacy alive. Whereas Tom Hanks uh, plays the son of a a big, a large corporation that is about to. And this is very much a New York film and centres around the sort of village feel of of, of different areas of New York and. Um, they are going to build a, a, a great big superstore, much like, a, I guess, a sort of Barnes and Noble nowadays type superstore, which would um, sell books and sell coffee and uh, be, be, be less about the, if, if, you, if you like, the, the, um, the art of writing and collecting book, books and more about commerce. And, uh, you know, this is the interesting thing. These these two people who don't know who each other are uh, meet online in a chat room and, um, you, you know, kind of become romantically interested in one another. Yet they are, of course, absolute mortal enemies when they meet at a dinner party. Um, uh, and, you know, it's revealed that uh, Tom Hanks's character is, is about to order uh, is about to open this store that's probably going to put them completely out of business. So, uh, so, so you, it is actually quite an interesting film and quite an interesting story, um, but I don't think it has the sort of spark. It's almost like they were trying to do that lightning in a bottle thing with this this combination of director and 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 star actors, and it doesn't quite work in the same way. I imagine at the studio they were like, "Well, hey, we've got Tom Hanks, we've got Meg Ryan, we've got Nora Ephron." we've got another sleepless in seattle and they didn't it wasn't the case and it it's very it's still kind of similar that there's these two people communicating to each other but they they're quite they but the, the thing is they don't know who the other person is they're talking to but well, the thing is tom hanks character is a bit despicable because he finds out that it's her and he doesn't say anything. Yeah, he plays on it a bit. He, he plays a lot on it. And then he kind of springs it on her at the end. I mean, he does all this stuff where he's trying... When they sort of stop being mortal enemies and kind of being a bit more chummy near the end, he's, tr he's trying to undermine his alter ego, which... I thought, well, what's 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 he trying to do? Is he trying to sort of get her to stop emailing her and so and actually spend more time? It that that part didn't quite. It it, it seemed to be a plan that didn't kind of work out. Really, it, yeah, it, it, it made didn't make much sense. And I mean, I think also, you know, you saying about you know, product placement in this, because not only do we have AOL, but we got Starbucks in there as well. Oh my Big God, time. do we have Starbucks in there? With like Fight Club, it was criticizing it. This, it was kind of like, oh, look, these are nice, aren't they? Look at AOL. 
it has it has a fun pop up voice, which I don't think anybody who used AOL ever had. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, and of course Warner Brothers had just bought AOL, so yeah. they owned it. So they were it was it felt like an advert for their product. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we've got Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan advertising AOL with yeah. you've got mail. And then, you know, the whole, you know, Starbucks went, oh, could we have some of that? Look, we've got money. Yeah. See, they, they need to go somewhere to drink coffee. And, um, and yeah, uh, it's kind of funny when it is a story that kind of comments on it. I mean, not to a point. I mean, to a point, everything's fine. I mean, she's she's put out of business by this big company. But hey, it's fine. You know, she moves on with her life. It's not like she lost everything, you know. Yeah. And it, it, that, that is what I think its problem is. Its problem is, is that this, you know, this horrible thing happens to Meg Ryan's character. Yet she goes off with the guy who is kind of responsible for it. And, and there's no, you know, nothing, there's no resolution about that she's just lost her business and now she has to move on and it's like it's tough kid isn't it you know get on with it you know that's yeah. life and yeah in a in a, a film which is kind of like you know two people who never met fall in love you know via email and then in the end live happily ever after and it's like yeah but you know how's this gonna last because she's gonna wake up and go oh you bastard you you put me out of my business. I had to sell my mother's bookshop. It's one of these things where it's like, it, it, <laughs> it, it's clawing, isn't it? It's kind of like, well, it's, it's still all right, isn't it? We're just saying all that stuff is fine. Don't worry, everybody. Yeah. No, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite satisfy. Um, you, you know, it, it, it's not awful. Uh, it does have some good bits in it. You know, some of the dialogue, etc., is quite snappy. Um, I did. I was amused in this one. Um, uh, Bill Pullman, if you like, has been replaced by <laughs> Greg Kinnear, Kinnear as, 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 the, as the boyfriend that doesn't work out sort of thing. And it made me laugh because I thought to myself, oh, shit, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit like that sometimes. There's, there's a bit where he goes into the cinema uh, with her and they're sort of having a bit of an argument and they're talking and I, I thought, oh God, I'm like the I'm like the annoyed patron in the in the cinema because they're talking and um, somebody gets annoyed that they're talking and he says, hold on a second, there's like a hot dog talking on the screen at the moment and you're upset that I'm interrupting a hot dog talking on the screen and uh, I did sort of think to myself, yeah, that is the point. I shouldn't get annoyed with people before the film starts. It's, as long as they're as long as they're quiet once the film started. But you know, I do tend to get annoyed if somebody's making a, a noise during the adverts <laughs> then may i suggest never going to the peckhamplex because you would <laughs> do your nuts <laughs> i just need to chill out more yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I, I also realized in this film as well is that i am as bad as the uh, as, as the corporation um because i don't know about you but i, I used to enjoy particularly before i had like um uh, a good income uh, one of my favorite things when I first moved to London that I was gutted when they went out of business but of course realized that I was part part the blame of that is one of the things I used to like to do was go to borders mm. and 
pick up books or magazines that I wanted to read and then go to the Starbucks in Borders, order a coffee and sit and read stuff and not actually buy it. And <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I was just as bad. <laughs> that's something I used to do. <laughs> I mean, that's why when we, uh, you know, was first met and would go for coffee and stuff, we'd always go to... Um, the uh, basement of Waterstones, where you would always be reading like Empire and Total. Exactly. So, so they're they're next. They're, they're, <laughs> they're on the endangered species <laughs> list. <laughs> yeah. Because if borders, because if if you were the blame for borders, then you're certainly going to be the blame for Empire and Total film. And of course, and it will have nothing to do with their reviews and sucking up to the big studios. Nothing at all. There you go. And, and and I'm always going on about people, you know, illegally downloading uh, films and all this. But I guess I was kind of not helping the, <laughs> the publishing industry. But uh, but there you go. But the, I mean, the other thing that's quite sort of laughable watching this film now and, and you know, this is not Nora Ephron's fault. This is this is the way, um, you, you know, technology has progressed. But when you see the laptops and the fact that they're sort of plugged in dial up via wires going into the walls and everything it's yeah. like oh my god how, how life has changed you know <laughs> yeah it, it certainly should come with like a subtitle you know like on adverts when they say these actions have been sped up yeah because <laughs> yeah, they, they they the mail seems to go very quick where yeah, before like, oh, yeah, where, where where before <laughs> is like i'll send a will send an email tonight and she'll get it tomorrow morning <laughs> yeah yeah no, absolutely but i mean you know yeah. it, 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 it it's it's interesting um in so much as it's a it's a, an earlier film that deals with um you know people meeting uh, via the internet mm. um, and you know it, it has taken a classic story and sort of put that what was then a contemporary spin on on it and um, you, you know it's not badly acted it's not badly shot it, it you, you know there's there's nothing really that bad about it it just doesn't quite work and I remember when I saw this one um, you know, I was living in America at the time and uh, I certainly didn't, it didn't have the same enjoyment as, um, as, as Sleepless in Seattle. And I don't know, mm. I, I was in a different relationship that wasn't so good at that point, which <laughs> I'm obviously not going to go into, but uh, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But, uh, um, but yeah, yeah th th this, this, you know, uh, I didn't really hate watching this again, um, but you know, I could say, and I don't think it, from from what I could see, it wasn't an unsuccessful film, and uh, did have reasonable reviews as well. Um, so it wasn't like it wasn't a hit. It just wasn't quite the classic that um, Sleepless in Seattle has has become. Mm. Well, yes, as you say, it comes down to the lightning striking twice. It it doesn't happen often, exactly. And so exactly. you know, they had a. A formula they thought would work and it didn't yeah yeah no, absolutely and but you, you know uh, the 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 cast are as likable as always and um actually you know what this has made me think i don't know whether i should because it's a slight tangent but i, I i've actually got uh, a little bit of a tom hanks story okay yeah well well you, you know me i mean i'm always like uh you know i always try and put a positive spin but i'm always slightly bitching about the fact that the uh the industry 
you know, following the dream hasn't hasn't quite worked because, you know, not knowing the right people or not get being lucky or not having the right break and all this sort of thing. But, you know, there are some things that's my own fault. And, okay. uh, and I have to say that, uh, you know, in hindsight, I really kicked myself on this. But it, this, this was naivety from being young. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I when I was at film school, uh, I was fortunate enough to work for a little while on uh, the miniseries that Tom Hanks produced called From the Earth to the Moon um, about the, uh, the, the, you know, the space program. And um, there was an episode that directed by Jonathan Mustow, who I was a big fan of already because he had uh, produced the, the game starring Michael Douglas for, for David Fincher. And he had just directed that summer um, breakdown starring Kurt Russell, which uh, which I was a big fan of. So, um, you, you know, I was really looking forward to, to meeting him and watching his process. And this was all obviously um, being uh, shot at um, uh, the, the MGM studios, uh, the Disney studios in, in Florida. And they'd actually rebuilt um, the whole mission control uh, area. And they, they, they had, you know, astronauts on board as advisors, etc. But anyway, um, while I was there, uh, somebody from the um, costumes department and the casting department came and spoke to me because th- these were the days where I was a student. So I was experimenting with with facial hair. And okay. I had like quite long hair and, and like a goatee beard, etc. Yeah. Who's that and, remind uh, you, know, you of? As a, yeah, yeah, I don't know who, who looks like that now. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I was kind of I was kind of going through through that phase. And um, somebody came and spoke to me and said, uh, you know, they asked why I was there. And I just said, oh, look, you know, I'm, 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 I showed them my visitor pass and said that I was uh, that I was, um, you know, shadowing Jonathan Mustow for the day and all this. And they said, oh, do you, do you want to come with us? So I said, oh, OK. And um, they they took me and they started me- taking my measurements. And I was like, uh, oh, what's this about? And they, they go, oh, we've got an episode coming up where um, we, might, we might be interested in you um, uh, doing some, some you know, supporting artist work, some, some background work. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. And they said, yeah, you've got a look that we're, we're quite interested in and all this. So they, start, they were taking my measurements. And, yeah, I didn't really think much of it. And I went back you know, went back to Jonathan Mustow and, and carried on watching what he was doing, etc. And um, uh, they got in touch with me and sort of gave me some dates that they'd need me for this. And and my good friend, and I'm, I need to mention him, Dan Tomeo, who was one of my friends while I was at film school. I believe he actually listens to this podcast. Um, I've heard through the grapevine that he is one of our listeners over in the US. So hello, Dan, and thank you. Um, he, he was a regular, uh, extra on the earth from the earth to the moon. He played one of the, um, uh, mission control, um, guys. So he was sat at a station, you know, in a shirt and tie, um, with glasses, you know, being one of those guys. And I think he gets like in the whole series, even though he did loads of hours on it, he got, he got like one shot where you actually see him, mm. <laughs> but, but he, he, he was in that. And, um, I thought, that it was just doing that, um, you, you know, just some background work. So uh, what, what happened is um, I was still in film school and the dates they gave me clashed with a test that we were having, a camera test. And 
our our camera teacher was a guy called Dominic Palmieri, who's sadly no longer with us. And he was the DOP of the television series MASH. And, um, you know, uh, he, he was very highly regarded by all the students. And I took the... Um, the test very seriously you know we had a camera exam on that day so i just told them i said look i'm really sorry i'm not available on that day um we've got we've, we've got a camera test on that day and i don't want to miss it it's very important so i i declined okay right. and i went and i went and i did the camera test i'm pleased to say i got an a and in, in in that module and all this but dan came up to me a, a few days later and he was like oh man Keith you know what have you done you've really screwed up and I'm like why and he's I, I said why I was just to play a, an extra in mission control wasn't it and he said no 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 and apparently the last episode of from the earth to the moon Tom Hanks was directing and he was acting in and it was a um sort of pseudo documentary of uh Le Voyage dans la Moon uh you know the the George Millier um right yeah thing where he was going to be playing him and in it uh was supposed to be like a french assistant to him to tom hanks's character and i guess because i had the you know i mean obviously i was european and i had the the goatee and and the longer hair and all this somebody in the casting department thought that i could sort of pass as as this um as this you know French. so this was actually a featured extra and the reason i was being measured up was because there was going to be a costume specially made for me right and right. i didn't realize this and of course what they ended up doing was having to find somebody else that had my various measurements and whatever to to, to fill this role and dan said that guy got to hang out with tom cruise um tom cruise tom hanks for <laughs> For, for like two weeks and he had pictures of him and Tom Hanks, you know, buddy pictures and he got to, to, to talk to him loads and he got a crew jacket and he got invited to all of this. And, you know, that was, that was a role that I was being looked at for and I didn't realize my naivety. I was like, and in hindsight, had that been now, I would have gone to Dominic, our DOP teacher and explain that to him and asked whether I could take the exam on another day, which I'm sure he would have been fine with. So I do often think to myself, ah, what if, you know, if only I'd actually taken that opportunity um, and, and done it. But uh, for some reason, us talking about Tom Hanks in this particular time has totally reminded me of that. So, uh, it's like psychology. I've got it off my chest. There you go. There's my Tom Hanks story, and yet another near miss in the in the in the career of in, in the creative career of Keith Isles. <laughs> Mate, it's it's one of those hard choices. I mean, no, I mean seriously. If it was kind of like one of those things where you said, "Oh, I couldn't be asked," and I sort of called in and said, "I can't get out of bed," you know that kind of thing. I would have called you an idiot, but you were you were put in a hard position. I did what I thought was right, yeah. <laughs> and it's really difficult to sort of go, no, fuck it, I'll I'll be an extra for the day, because <laughs> yes, it's, it, it's that that's a different kind of mentality that you don't you only really learn as you get older. Yes, because you start to sort of realise what's important and what's not important, 
and you know yeah. it's it's one of those things i mean i i know other stories of people who have made similar decisions and they kind of regret the decision they made but you know it's 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 one of those things where if it was supposed to if it was meant to be it would have meant it, you know the, the test would have been on another day yeah yeah no i, I so I, I almost met tom hanks i I've, I've seen him i've seen him talk a couple of times at bafta q and a's but um but but yes i i almost got to actually meet him but yeah, there you go there you go you could have <laughs> hung out with him and got a crew jacket and you know would have had two weeks to remember but i think um don't be so hard on yourself because that probably was all it was going to be because you know have we ever heard from that french assistant no he didn't turn out to be anybody else no i have watched the episode and uh it was one of those things by the time it was edited there were only like glimpses of him yeah um yeah you know and stuff but i i I just think that that experience would have been pretty cool oh hell yeah hey hey ho yeah (laughs) no it would have been very cool but uh yes oh well oh well (laughs) Another near me. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't <laughs> have any stories like that. So uh, I must admit, if if I any opportunity like that, I usually take it. Yeah, but uh, I, I wasn't studying at the time, so I would have in a heartbeat if it had it been now. But, uh, yeah. but there you go. There, there you, you go. go. There you go. You, you don't mind. know what these things are until they play out. So uh, you know, it, it it just shows you in this industry, those who make it, it's it is a it comes down to luck. Yeah. down to luck it comes down to face fitting or meeting that one person that helps their career and it's, it's just about luck but yeah you got to be out there doing it as well to get these chances but it's yeah it's the difference between the winners and losers is just luck yeah i mean a lot of the time it doesn't come down to ability <laughs> indeed indeed anyway moving anyway, on moving on. on let's move on let's Sorry, move I'm on, on it, it, it's kind of funny. it's kind of relevant it's, it's kind, kind of relevant, relevant. it's, it's Tom, funny Tom Hanks. yeah but no but it's kind of also kind of funny that you brought that story up because the my pick is about <laughs> a person who spotted uh on on the street by an actor who's making a tv show and she has a. He noticed her for her her nose wiggling ability. <laughs> so the the film I went with was Bewitched, and it was around the time when Nicole Kidman was doing her remake phase. It was, yeah, because we talked about this as a movie <laughs> hell on a on a previous podcast. We did. We the on Wives. the Stepford Wives on with Frank Oz, and yeah. uh, in that she was not very good and i have to say i i kind of enjoyed watching bewitched this time but it's it's a bit inconsistent will farrell seems to be in a completely different film yeah and so there's moments when he's kind of been over the top and being kind of saturday night live will farrell which doesn't work but when he calms down he it works a lot better so the, the, the conceit for this one is that uh, Bewitched is actually going to be remade by this actor played by Will Farrell, who's, you know, he's had some success as, you know, 
in the mainstream but his last film didn't do too well and so he's kind of slumming it in tv yeah which which is interesting actually because this even though this came out in 2005 this must have been written uh just before when there was still because because obviously since since the early noughties television now is and has been you know in as high regard as as film almost if not more sometimes whereas this was back when it was still the sort of poorer sibling wasn't it of 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 movies yeah i Um, mean you you gotta remember that this this whole thing is kind of it's not been that long i think it's been less than 10 years because i don't know what point it was where suddenly you know actors who had been working in films who would never do tv are suddenly doing tv i can't i can't i don't know what that one thing was that tipped that you know turned the tide well it started with the cable shows didn't it like the hbo stuff like um like band of brothers brothers you know with hanks and uh um yeah those those sort of things but the thing is, yes, they were great shows, but they they didn't have um, like film actors in there. There wasn't like the big time actors trying to get into it. I mean, all the actors in that were either had come from TV or were unknown. I mean, nobody knew who Damien Lewis was before that f- series. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And and also the fact with Deadwood, Deadwood's you know um, Ian McShane. Ian McShane mm-hmm. had been Lovejoy before that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he come from TV. I mean, you did. I mean, you had like uh, Keith Carradine in there, but he was only in it for a short while. And you had a lot of um, character actors in there, but they they weren't people who like normal viewers would go, oh, that's so and so from that film. I love that film. You know, it's they were people that had the maybe appeared in those kind of films, but they were the back, you know, they, they were the supporting actors. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's sort of been a kind of a sea change. I mean, even with like Breaking Bad, you know, the main actor in that before had done, <laughs> you know, Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Which was a very successful sitcom, but nobody thought he, you know, and the character in it is far from uh, Walter White. But yet, yeah. you know, he, he it was, a, a, I guess, a, a great risk on his part and uh, it paid off. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brian Cranston's stint, since gone on to be like a massive movie star as well. So, um, y- you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. Mm. It has changed. But that, that, that was one of the things that, um, that, 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 you know, instantly sort of got my attention with this when I watched it because I hadn't watched this you know at the time I couldn't think of anything worse uh when it came out because Bewitched the TV show I didn't really know because that for once that really was something that was before my time so I hadn't really seen the show did you not I I used to watch the reruns of it um I can't remember on what channel but I I remember watching it I knew it quite well I mean it was I I well one of the things I liked about this was it it, it was kind of faithful to that that it the it's like well we're doing a remake of the show and they they kind of said well the original show is off limits so we can't take the piss out of it or anything we've got to hold it up in high esteem and they do um yeah so 
so yes so you've got this whole you know we're making a tv series it's kind of behind the scenes but then also you throw in the magical element where nicole kidman actually is a witch who um whose father is a warlock played by michael kane who (laughs) um obviously needed a new boat or house because he did look like he was slumming it i have to say (laughs) michael kane looked really out of place in this and he he just it just feel like he came in show me the money i'll say the lines and i'll leave because it's it's kind of embarrassing and also his you didn't think he worked as the jolly green giant <laughs> that cracked me up when she's in the supermarket and oh yeah, 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 yeah as yeah. like captain bird's eye and the jolly green giant and all of those sort of things to talk to her so true <laughs> I, I kind of forgot that stuff uh uh, also, there's a storyline where Shirley MacLaine is playing um, Sam's mother in the show, but she's also a witch and she's put a spell on Michael Caine. Yeah. Uh, because every time, because he's always chasing younger women, and then, of course, every time he goes up to them, they start like telling him like the truth or, you know, stuff to turn him off. And. Um, yeah, but that storyline didn't go anywhere. Where you know, it's like he kind of goes, "I think I'm in love with her," but then you don't. There's no resolution. I thought that was a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what's interesting about this is I, I again, I, I hadn't seen it uh, as I said because it didn't really sort of appeal to me at the time. Will Ferrell and, and Nicole Kidman, gorgeous as she is, you know, um, she wasn't making great choices at this point. Um, and uh yeah i didn't see it in any reruns because I, I guess it's not the sort of thing my uh my my dad was particularly into so when they were probably doing reruns of this they were also probably doing reruns of of i don't know the original hawaii Five O or mission impossible <laughs> or something and i was watching those shows instead well um, no i think but, when they uh, were doing reruns of the witch <laughs> they were doing reruns of i dream of genie I think it was. I think it was Channel Four that was showing it. It, it. it feels like a Channel Four show. Yeah, well, they made a joke about that, didn't they? Because people get those two mixed up. And I noticed mm. they actually made a joke about that in in the film, which I thought was quite quite good. But what I didn't realise until I watched this film for for this podcast was, I thought it was going to be a remake of the television show, a reimagining, like mm. most remakes are. Yeah. But this was quite interesting that the, the, the conceit of it was quite interesting that it was, you know, the show existed and, you know, it, it was one of those which she, she does quite well. It was one of those kind of pastiche, piss take parodies of, of the film industry. Um, you, you know, so it was kind of the movie within the movie, yeah. uh, even though Nicole Kidman's character was actually a witch which is you know your supernatural element but uh yeah i, I it was it was different to what i thought it was going to be in terms of that setup um but i i like you felt that will ferrell in this um it was almost like he he had to be pg-13 will ferrell rather than you know will ferrell who, who who's who can go a bit uh a bit more risky if you like um yeah but I, I also think he was very inconsistent he his character seemed to be all over the shop i mean i kind of liked it you know it, i also don't think that jason swatsman's character as his agent helped i think he was kind of annoying <laughs> and he was the one who sort of 
push the kind of weirdness on Will Farrell's point. You know, this whole thing about him coming in and making all these demands, and of course he does, and they're really stupid. And you know, oh yeah, it, it was. Yeah. I'm sure there's people like that, but it was just, uh, you know, because he he's also his character has a love for the show. So he's making all these demands, but he's saying, but, Oh, I hope we get some man for all this. You know, and his agents go, well, maybe you should like get an unknown. Oh yeah. We'll get an unknown because I'm the, it's just, it, mm, yeah, it's just, it was kind of annoying. I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing is, um, I kind of enjoyed this a bit more than I did last time. I had, I must admit, it kind of grew on me a little bit, but there was still stuff that was really niggly. And that's the fact that the end they they start living like the characters in the show. Yeah, yeah. Now it felt a bit weird. I mean, that was a bit too meta. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. There was some meta stuff. Mm. I mean, it's it, it, uh, you, you know there were bits that, that there were bits that made me laugh. Mm. I mean, some of the sort of piss taking about the actual industry, and I did like the fact that apparently, again, um, you know, I, I'd never really followed Bewitched, but it was one of these situations where. The, the, the lead actor in it got got replaced at some point and obviously that was the character that will ferrell was going to play and he made some joke about the lead actor got replaced and nobody even noticed you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 and and you know there was some good stuff yeah. but of course you had the you know, you know it was a bit it played on those sort of stereotypes of you, you know, like the, the 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 production people and the writers and all this, and then of course you had that scene which had already been done in in Bruce Almighty with with Stephen Carell, where um you, you know she makes him he goes to deliver the whole line about the dog or whatever, and she makes him oh, yeah. with her magic do all of these stupid lines and different accents and different languages and all this sort of thing. And that joke had already, you know, been used much more effectively in Bruce Almighty, hadn't it? So it, it kind of, you know, it was like, oh, that again. Or at least it felt like that when I watched it. Well, <laughs> talking of Steve Carell, I have to say... He, oh, who's in this? He's yeah. very good <laughs> as, as Uncle Arthur. And he, he absolutely channels that actor. And yeah. it's just a shame you see him 10 minutes at the end and yeah. he's in a couple of scenes. And it's just like, I would have really loved to have him been in it a bit more, come in a bit, bit earlier because Will Farrell does go on about how he loves that character in the show. And, you know, it just, I think it would, it would be nice. Now, I mean, the, the whole deal with Nicole Kidman's character is she's a, a witch who's decided to live with the rest of us humans or muggles. <laughs> if she's coming <laughs> from the, the Harry Potter world of, of, of magic, she might be. We don't know. She could be, uh, you know, she's, she's a witch. And um, she decides to give up on magic. But, of course, not before she gets the finer things in life, you know, like the house and food. Yeah, I wish I had that power. <laughs> and she keeps saying that she's not going to use it and of course uh either will farrell or somebody else pushes her buttons and so she does use it and you know and then she's she comes out to him doesn't she this is kind of like the uh the, the coming out metaphor she she tells him that about um that she's a witch and he doesn't take it very well <laughs> but uh no but somehow no, but somehow you know love conquers all and uh he he accepts her 
and yeah. but there's this whole bit where she she um was it her aunt turns up and makes a love potion where he goes totally over the top for her i mean yeah absolutely smitten and she has to rewind the whole day doesn't she yeah she's <laughs> the only one who can actually undo the spell and she yeah. undoes it by rewinding i think they do that twice isn't it? i don't remember there was a second time they rewound or yeah 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 I mean, it, it, it's it's you know it, it's got it's got the Nora Ephron um, you know trait, like you said, the sort of story arc. Yeah. Um, it, it's not quite as well done. Um, I think I can sort of see what they were going for with this. And interestingly, you know, I talked about the the last film being um, uh, co-produced. Um, this one actually produced by another director, Penny Marshall. Mm, um, yeah. Was was her producer on this one? And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, the comedy in it doesn't quite work overall. I mean, it's not, I didn't think it was absolutely terrible. I was, I thought it was entertaining enough, but out of the, out of the four films that we watched for this, um, you know, for this particular podcast, uh, I actually do think this is the weakest of the four. I actually mm. enjoyed You've Got Mel more than I did this, um, even though, as I said, I found this mildly amusing. But it did tend to play on the cliches like uh, Will Ferrell being the sort of totally insecure and unlikable egomaniac actor, uh, that, you know, with this sort of failing career. And it wasn't it wasn't just that his last film fell, and it was also that his, um, that his, that his wife... His celebrity wife also left him for some underwear model or something, and they were living in 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 his his house, and he was forced to live in some sort of normal apartment or whatever as well. So I mean, they, they really sort of piled it on, but uh, yeah, it, it was I, amusing. It, the, <laughs> the, the problem was they they kind of made him a really kind of unlikable character in a sense. I mean, there were some there were some good traits about him, but the the bad kind of outweighed. So I I, I really couldn't see what she saw in in him apart from somebody who was broken and needed mending, which she yeah, which she which is what she wanted, wasn't yeah, it? So, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, she openly says about it, which I always think is a is a bad character trait when the character actually has to say what they want or see in a person. Then you're thinking, oh, okay. You know, because people don't yeah. talk about it. People don't go around going, oh, well, I'm looking for a broken man so I can take up, you know, look after him. Yeah, it was a tad forced. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering whether, I mean, when I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, had I been or, or a viewer that is a really big fan of the Bewitched television show and knew it really well, whether or not they'd actually like this film. I, I don't know because I couldn't connect to that at mm. all because I didn't know the source material. Um, and, and there was obviously lots of reference to it yeah. throughout the film. Yeah. I mean, Nora Ephron was clearly a, a fan, I would guess, of, of the TV show. Um, but uh, Shall I answer that? Yeah, I don't uh, let me yeah, answer that. I think probably they've been all right with it because they didn't ruin the show because they didn't right. actually remake it. They, yeah. they did a film about somebody else remaking it and so you know it's kind of like in the background there it's not the foreground so at the end of the day i think they would have been fine with it because they did something different Mm -hmm. and they didn't shit all over the originals (laughs) 
you know. Right, it didn't take a dump on the mythology, yeah. No, they <laughs> they held it up in quite high esteem, but I mean, just they just, you know, the the story itself was terrible. It, it you know, it could, yeah. It, as we always say, it could have been called something else and still would have been about Bewitched, but, um, you know, but uh, you have to go... They have to go with a uh, title that's recognisable, and so you know nobody's going to go and see a film about Bewitched or the making of a show called Bewitched that isn't called Bewitched, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's it's a mess. It's it, it's a bit it's a bit too zany for its own good. Um, I mean, Nicole Kidman's all right in it. I don't. I think she comes off better in this than she did in uh, the Stepford Wives. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Will Farrell. I think he needed somebody, uh, somebody else, a, a more tempered hand. Tell the truth, because he he needed to get away from his shtick. I think if he if he had come to this a bit more deadpan. Yeah. I think it would have worked a lot better than him trying to be zany. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like Will Ferrell was, was sort of allowed to go off and do it, be him and do his own thing with the only direction being, but you can't swear. Mm. I mean, that was the only thing that was sort of missing from his usual stick. Wasn't it? Well, it's, it, if, but if he was consistent, because that was the problem, he wasn't consistent. He, he would go and do the zany stuff, and he'd be trying to be the you know the big guy, and it didn't quite work. And but then when he was nice, it seemed to work better. I I think if he had if his character had kind of been you know a nicer guy, and he just you know it, it maybe more the agent who was kind of pulling the strings and doing all the sort of backhanded stuff, and him just being stupid and going yes, I want a cafe, you know, I want my own. Uh, es- cappuccino machine yes. yeah <laughs> i was gonna say espresso machine but hey you know it's yeah, coffee yeah. you know all to myself which nobody can touch it's just, it's just, yeah it's just mm. you know i mean this this you know the stuff with him doing the different voices and stuff i thought worked fine it was kind of funny because she was you know they were doing the whole thing where she couldn't speak and you know, no lines and all this stuff, and you know, it's it was kind of her little revenge. So, as I say, I mean, Nicole Kidman, she can hold her head up high. She she did the best, you know, with this. You know, she she. I have to say, if they were to remake it, she would make a very good Samantha. I mean, she's certainly got the nose wiggle down. Yeah, yeah, she's very, she's very obviously she's very cute as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I I. But her character not knowing anything about life is a bit, what, at her age? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, where is this magical world, you know? Yeah. And she was sick of all those warlocks. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> uh, must be hard at Hogwarts, I, I must admit. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she was working the Ministry of Magic. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But no, I, I, I see why you chose this as... Um as hell and uh but, but you know uh nor efron um you know a, a sad loss to the yes filmmaking community because ov- overall i think a you know a pretty strong body of work uh and you, you know it, it, it's nice for us to you, you know 
we grew up on on typical guy movies you know with our with our with our very sort of male oriented directors you know action horror sci-fi you know thrillers all of these sort of guy type films so it, it, it did make a bit of a change you know for us and and hopefully for our listeners as well to um to to, to cover uh something a bit different and um yeah n- certainly nothing wrong with 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 her body of work it was uh it, it's decent i mean just to, to sort of sum it, sum it up i mean it's you know it's it's romantic it it's funny you know when it works it can bring a tear to your eye and uh you know it's and her films can be a lot of fun even the the poorer ones i mean you know it wasn't like i was ever bored watching bewitched or i've got you've got mail but you know it's it's just those there was just little things that didn't quite work in those ones yeah but when 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 it works it works really well and it's enjoyable and the films go past you know go by quite quickly and uh as i say sleepers in seattle it is it, it deserves its classic status it's Oh, it does. It's it's, yeah. it's very well done, and you know I really enjoyed yeah. it. And you know it, it it for a film that's kind of you know uh, I would say harking back to those films of that era, um, it works really well. It's it's it's, it's good a homage to those films, and uh, yeah, and it's as you say, it's a uh, you know uh, her her losses, you know. It's it's been a loss to the industry, and uh, you know because yeah. when uh, Harry Met Sally, great film, uh, again one I've watched recently I enjoyed, you know because they're 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 films that are aimed at an adult audience. Adults get more out of this than I'd say uh, kids and teenagers. Yeah, because yeah, when these films came out. I was more into my Arnie films than I was into this. So, oh well, yeah, no, absolutely, me too. As I said, it, it was good. You know, that it was it was the early days of dating um, when some of those came out, and uh, you know, they 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 were good good date movies. And um, uh, yeah, you know, I have to say, apart from Bewitched, uh, I think all of these films, you know, brought a slight lump to the throat in places. You know, uh, maybe not quite a tear to the eye, but you know, certainly, uh, cer- certainly, um, y- you know, she she was good at pulling at the heartstrings. She could also be very funny, um, and definitely really good at the character stuff, the character banter. Um, really strong in her work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, particularly when talking about the differences of men and women and relationships. Um, you know, particularly in the time that these were made. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we finish, I just want to say that um, uh, the first film I took a date to was Seven. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and then I took it to see I um, I know what you did last summer, which she screamed through the whole film. Wow. I was sitting next to a screamer, which was was funny at first, and then got really embarrassing. <laughs> wow. I tell you what, I think I think the first. I mean, the date didn't go anywhere, but the first date film, when I was young, very young, just started dating, uh, the first date film that I took someone to see, uh, which is still one of my favourite films, and I, I hear there's there's going to be some sort of sequel stroke reboot planned, um, 
was uh, Joel Schumacher's Flatliners film oh, okay. produced by Michael Douglas. Yes. Um, uh, I, I really like that film, but the, the, the girl that I took to see it did not like it at all. <laughs> I, remember out, I remember coming out, me being all pumped and enthusiastic about what a, what a great film it was and what a good ensemble and how dark it was and all this sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, she was not impressed at all. And, uh, yeah, that didn't go any further. Uh, it could have been worse. <laughs> she could have taken the see Batman and Robin. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Anyway, yes. we, will, anyway. We, will, we will end it there uh, before we, <laughs> we go down uh, memory lane too far. Well, yeah, we, we don't want to talk about – I don't want to talk too much about the personal stuff. No, just movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can talk about this stuff. We're not harming anybody. <laughs> anyway, it was a long time ago it was a little, yes yes <laughs> right so keith uh where can we find your work okay um if you go to youtube and put in british isles i'll spell e-y-l-e-s as in my last name uh there are short films that i've written produced and directed there that you can view and you can obviously get in touch that way um also, IMDb has a list of some of my uh, credits. You can find my work, as always, at independentrunnings.com. And also, some of my films are listed on IMDb D2. I don't know why not all of them, but some of them are. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you can listen to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and all good podcast providers. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. And uh, leave us a uh, review and a rating on iTunes and Stitcher. It all helps. So thank you for listening to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. And uh, join us again for the next episode.